Before we get into this week's episode, I just wanted to uh, apologize for skipping the odd week here and there lately. Things have been really hectic and uh, unfortunately the, uh, the podcast has had to take a back seat. But don't worry, it's not going anywhere. I can assure you that the uh, podcast is going to be around for a while. Welcome to another episode of Bench Talk. I'm your host Tom Gerrard. Uh, this week I'm catching up with Nicole Reed and James Scullin. How are you going? Good. Good. Thanks for uh, coming to the studio and sitting down having a chat. In the cold. I know, it's pretty cold. Sorry about that. It's the time of year. It, it doesn't take the elements well, this place. But, um, yeah, I wanted to sit down and chat with you two because uh, you've just returned from a, a trip to North Korea. And uh, yeah, I find that really interesting because uh, I haven't met many people who have been to North Korea. And, um, you know, you're over there working on, a, uh, on an art project. And, uh, yeah, I just wanted to find out about that. So um, how did you two meet and how did the uh, trip come about? Might leave that one to you. Um, yeah, so I had I have been doing um, tours to North Korea for about six years. Um, so I, I lived in China um, back in around 2012, and I went on a tour to North Korea myself. Um, and then I happened to move to China. And when I moved to China, I approached the North Korean travel company that was Juche Travel Services, and I said, "Look, I'm living in China at the moment. If you need anyone to take any tours, I'm you know I'm close by." And that eventuated, and I, uh, you know, took a lot of tours there um, between about 2012 and 2014. And since moving back to Australia, I've kind of done tours a little less frequently. Um, but I kind of like doing it that way because you can see the changes within North Korea more dramatically if you're going there more seldom. Um, and I'd always kind of thought about, well, how can I make it a, a how can I add my value to going there? Because obviously it's such an interesting place, but you know, when you go there with tourists, you do go to the same places and you know, going with tourists, it, it does get repetitive even for a fascinating place like North Korea. And I've just been thinking about a, you know, a project I could do or how can I use my contacts to, to do something there? And, um, and I'd stumbled along these uh, Soviet architecture books um, by this publisher uh, called uh, Fuel. And they have these beautiful architecture books about Soviet sanatoriums and Soviet bus stops. And I thought, well, you know, I, I need to do something similar with North Korea. And, um, and I had the idea to make a book about hotels of North Korea, um, mainly because, you know, you have a lot of access to hotels when you're there. You spend a lot of time there um, on your trips. And, and also there were a lot of hotels in Pyongyang in particular that I'd never been to before. And I was just really fascinated about the design of their lobbies and dining halls and karaoke rooms um, because in a place like North Korea a hotel doesn't go out of business so you have these hotels that have been going on for years and decades but they haven't really seen much action so you know there's not really an overflow of tourists that are going to North Korea so I was just really curious myself about checking out these hotels and I thought the best way to put it together would be um, a photography project about those hotels um, and then through a mutual friend, I, you know, I was speaking to people and um, asking if anyone knew any, um, you know, decent photographers. And um, I, I actually had two friends that recommended Nicole um, because Nicole had done similar work in Tokyo and Hong Kong. And um, and then yeah, Nicole and I caught up, and yeah, Nicole was yeah immediately into the idea. I was yeah. So James, have you seen uh, Nicole's uh, field notes books that she'd released with? Uh with Platonic Lab? Yeah, 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 yeah. She did show me in, in our first meeting, I remember, yeah. Yeah. So, um, 
Nicole, you are you're get, getting right into working in books now because with like, being a photographer, I guess you see your work in print here and there, not as much as you would have 15 years ago. So uh, is it a big draw card for you to um, know that you're working on a print project? Oh, definitely. I think it, because I have, I mean, I, originally I, my background is in publishing, so not in photography, but in um, uh, finished art and uh, design and uh, pre-production um, in printing. So yeah, if my skills, especially when it comes to photos, are in developing photos for print rather than online and screen. So I'm always definitely up for anything if I know they're going to be printed and printed well um, in a publication. Yeah. And with uh, with going to North Korea, I've heard there's a lot of um, like hurdles and loopholes just as far as like getting visas and everything to be able to get into the country. Did you guys experience a lot of problems with that? Um, yeah, I, I actually don't think it's that cumbersome um, with North Korea. I think it's quite similar to China. Um, so you need, because um, it's, well, the, the main thing about North Korea that's different is that you have to go on a tour group. So you're not going to go to North Korea, go to the airport, get a taxi, find your hotel. It doesn't happen like that in North Korea. You meet your guides at the airport, you spend however much time in North Korea, and they drop you off at the airport. And you surrender your passport to Yeah. <laughs> on the way in and you get it on the way out. It is. But I, I see. I think that's comforting because I, you know, I worry about my passport when I'm overseas about losing it, and and I think, you know, I, I don't want to sound provocative, but I think going to North Korea because it's managed for you, you're not making those tourist Mistakes. choices about well, <laughs> where are you eating tonight? How are you getting there? Like how are you kind of traveling around this foreign country? It is it is taken care care of, you know, to mm. a large extent. Yeah. Um, but um, yes, I have some contacts in, in Beijing, so I let them know about the project. And, you know, it took a while to explain, you know, specifically what I wanted to do over there. Um, because they can be a little sensitive about the way you document the country. Um, and so I think the email thread I had in, you know, negotiating with them was probably, you know, about 98 emails. <laughs> Um, but but the way I pitched it to them was that you know we're looking to take f- very neutral photos of, of of these hotels and just what they look like and we think that it will be interesting to people outside North Korea of just what these hotels look like. Um, so I think framing it as a like architecture project um, was was quite easy f- to get permission to to go there essentially. Um, and and so in terms of um, documents and stuff, yeah, you need an invitation letter that the uh, Korean International Travel Corporation will provide you with when you go there, um, photocopy of your passport, photo, um, and uh, yeah, I think that's about it. But it's, if anyone's been to China, it's very it's very similar to the China process. Mm. But what happens if, like, save me for instance, I go and get the visas I need, and I just jump on a plane and fly over there? like. Like what? What would happen? They wouldn't let me out of the airport or something, or well, you couldn't get a ticket, so you wouldn't yeah. be able. You can't go on Skyscanner and get a ticket with Air Corio. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can't fly there. Okay, like they, it's already organised. So you. Yeah, yeah, okay, by them, yeah. Wow, so it's like a package deal. Mm. Exactly. Yeah, and 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 it makes it really difficult when when you're asking about how much the tour should cost because 
they do quote you different prices with the 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 flight over there. So there is a high season, a low season, but but you just have no control over it. So I just contact my contacts in Beijing, and they'll give me what the price is for April. So April's mm. you know high season, and you know if you're going in November, that's that's going to be low season. But it just doesn't exist on you know where everyone else buys flight tickets. So you do kind of everything has to go through this tour company, so to speak. And I guess they 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 prefer to have it that way. Jeez. Mm. <laughs> what so what happens if you're in the um, say you're in the hotel mm. and you're sick of being ha- having your hand held? What happens if you go stuff this? I'm going to go go off on my own for the day. Like what what like what what's their fear? Like what's what, why are they, why are they doing this? Well, I. I, look, I think it's a thing that a lot of Soviet countries had a similar thing in the 80s, 70s, 80s and 90s, is that you would go to those countries on guided tours um, because I think they did want to be sheltered from Western countries to some extent. Um, you know, those countries have a lesser flow of information than we do here. Um, but look, you know, most Westerners can't speak Korean. You know, what are you going to say when you go over there? I don't think you're going to say something that's going to immediately emancipate these people from North Korea. Um, but I think the thing that, you know, if you were at the hotel and if you went for a walk or if you kind of went to a, a restaurant and you ordered a drink or if you somehow managed to do that, I think the thing that you would run risk of is um, bringing some negative impact on your guides. So you, your no, guides are with you the entire time. and And... One of the highlights of going there is is really bonding with these local North Korean mm, people, yeah. who do take you around and you know the, who do put in so much effort into your experience of the country. If you were to go wandering, something bad may happen to them. Uh, you know, in terms of you know they might get demoted from their job or you know like there may be some kind of repercussions professionally for them if you did that. And I think you do develop a level of trust when you're over there with them. Um, that I guess a lot of people might not think of if they haven't been there before. I think a lot of people think of this idea of a, a, a minder. Um, but I, I think when you're over there, you really do um, bond quite closely with these yeah. people. And Yeah, yeah we, mm. you know, we spent late nights doing karaoke with, with our two guides. And, um, yeah, they were a lot of fun. They were, they were quite... Like their sense of hu- I was their sense of humor, especially I was really not expecting. Like I wasn't quite sure what I was expecting, but um, yeah, they were they were so funny and so just really nice to be around. So I mean, we had the luxury of just being the two of us on the tour um, because James had organized that because of the project we were doing. Whereas a tour group normally would be, I don't know, 20, 20, 30 people mm. um, with two guides. So there were two guides, a driver and us two. So I think we got probably got to know them a little bit better than you would normally get to know a guide on a tour group. Mm. And yeah, it was quite sad. Like when we left, it was like, you know, they, they met us at the security in the airport and they dropped us off at the security in the airport. And we were kind of walking through and just like, waving through like through the window at security and I was like oh like I've spent all these days like quite closely with them you know lunch dinner um every minute in the car and now I'm probably never going to be able to contact you or you know not I can't send an email saying how much I enjoyed their company or anything like that to them so it was a little bit sad leaving Hmm. yeah I I can relate to that because I've um in uh, during my travels in Latin America, I did a bit of couch surfing and then also worked 
on farms and things like that. So yeah, you got to be around uh, families and everything. And when you spend so much time with people, you do you do bond with them. And at, at first, you don't know what you're getting yourself into. And you think, gee, I hope they're all right. And then you all become friends and almost like yeah. family when you spend so much time together. Yeah. It's, uh, well, yeah. I think it just makes the experience so much more rich. It mm. does. Yeah. Um, and uh, look, I think when you're with these um, North Korean guides, you can speak to them about the nukes or the war with America or Kim Jong-un's haircut or, you know, <laughs> juicy political topics like that if you want to. Um, but you're going to get the state-sponsored response from them okay. when, you, when you ask those things. And so you're not really going to get anywhere with it. Like, they've heard it all before. Mm. But I think what you do get from spending time with these people is you can ask them about, you know, social things about what it's like to live there. You can ask them about, you know, career progression, how to get an apartment, dating. Um, like, an interesting thing um, that I learnt there is that um, they're really into knowing what your blood type is. Um, and the reason for that is that there's this real sense of purity where when you meet a spouse, a potential spouse in North Korea and you go on your first date, you're going to find out what their blood type is because there's certain blood types that will produce certain pure types of offspring. And, you know, I just think that's mind-blowing. I don't even... I, I, I've been meaning to check what my blood type is, but that's the thing that's just so unique to there. Um, and hmm. spending time with those guides, they just, you know, they really do inform you a lot about this North Korean universe that is so isolated and has just gone on its own path of history and that is just, you know, it's so detached from the world. Um, and, and I think if you're respectful, um, you know, there's so many interesting, interesting things for you to, to find out. Um, but, you know, you do need to kind of be mindful of those those political subjects but other than that everything's everything's kind of you know up for discussion and it's just a real highlight of going there i think mm. so nicole seeing that you were taking all this uh photography equipment in and out of the country did you have um any issues getting getting your gear in and out i didn't have any issues getting my gear in and out of um north korea i did have a lot of gear with me because i generally separate my travel snapshots um, out and about gear from the gear that I use to work. So I did have a lot of cameras and lenses. So for the hotel stuff, I had my work gear, um, tilt shift lenses, tripods, my big camera. Um, I didn't take my laptop, which is some, which was really unusual for me because my gear is quite heavy already and it you know adds another three kilos which is a lot when you're on a plane um traveling so i left that at home so one of one of my fears was um backing up all the images i'd taken especially for james for the book so i traveled with my canon which you can shoot to two cards simultaneously so at the end of the trip i gave james one of those cards so he had a copy and I also traveled with a, a hard drive that had an SD slot in it so I could back up files into that hard drive as well um, I mean I'd heard that sometimes they can check your photos on the way out so I had three copies of them in all different kinds of places just in case something happened I was probably more worried about what was going to happen when I was back in China because I stayed in China for um, a few days afterwards and like I knew 
my gear was going to be pretty safe in um, Pyongyang. But once I'd got back to China, I was like, oh, you know, what if someone steals my camera or mm. what if I lose it? So that was my main worry. So that's mm. I had multiple backups of all the all the work I did there. Um, and for the travel, like the stuff that's in my exhibition, for instance, was taken on my Olympus camera which is much easier to carry. It's small. No one really notices you're taking photos with it, which was really handy when we're like out and about, um, not in the hotels. Um, so, yeah, getting it in and out customs in North Korea was fine. Actually, it's probably one of the most pleasant experiences I've had in customs mm. in any airport around the world. Um, getting out of Beijing was, <laughs> was another thing with all my gear, but... Um, yeah, in, in Korea, it was absolutely fine. It's, 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 it's even like a parody how easy the airport is there. And, yeah. I, and I think, look, the reason for that is that there's, you know, one to two flights a day yeah. <laughs> going into Pyongyang. So, so when you go in, there's no queues to, to go through customs. And, and when you do get your passport stamped, I, you know, the, the, the man or the woman customs official is always so pleasant and and that's usually such a dour official who kind of looks at you looks at your passport does the stamp but they'll kind of start small talk with you and i feel like for people with their first time there it's like oh aren't you supposed to be you know giving me like you know some up and down look or you know intimidating me in some way but you know it, it just isn't like that and then you kind of collect your luggage and and, and there is a tricky thing where you do have to declare what technology you're bringing in so you mm-hmm. have to say you know yeah. bringing in one phone device one camera and they'll kind of just check it um and then if there's books as well they'll check those um but look they won't really check them that thoroughly i think they're just looking for any religious material um and particularly material in in korean language so you know if you're you know a western tourist that doesn't have anything like that you do you do get through astonishingly quickly mm. back to you nicole like with um with the hotels and documenting them, were you uh, like, did you really like what you saw over there? Uh, I already knew what I was. I was going to like what I saw. Like it, James and I had a few meetings um, before we went, and um, he showed me some photos on his phone that he'd taken while there. And um, you know, I have a, a real fascination with brutalist kind of architecture, um, and a lot of the hotels were like that on the outside. They still had quite that Soviet. Um, architecture on the outside but once you're on the inside it was like it's so hard to explain in words so you know you'll have to buy the book when it comes <laughs> out to see but and I think a lot of them were renovated in the 90s as mm. well but their version of the 90s was kind of like our 70s and 80s mm. so it's kind, it's definitely like stepping back in time like our first, my first hotel room in, um, was it, what was our first hotel? The Corio. The Corio Hotel. When we got to, when I got to my room, it was like a small apartment. There was a bedroom that had two beds in it and a lounge room that had a lounge and a TV and the bathroom and a little lobby. But the carpet in it, I remember the exact same carpet my nan had <laughs> when I was a kid like in the 70s and the furniture everything like the bedheads had radios in them and um the lamps were they were all from the 70s and it was it was astounding i yeah i was absolutely fascinated 
So I, was, I guess it's a good opportunity to document it because it's like going back in time to the seventies and you get to document everything, but you're using new equipment. And well, yeah. I, I, like I think it's a really interesting time over there because it is it is in transition, and like especially in Pyongyang where. Like obviously the, the 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 country is you know very poor and detached from the world, but in in Pyongyang, whatever system they do have, it, it 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 has some measure of success to some degree. Like so, wherever it is successful, it's in the capital, and I think um, you know the current leader of the country is really looking to improve people's living standards, um, which are probably the the best they've ever been for that country. And so I think you're seeing things being renovated and updated. Um, but I think you do lose a, a lot of that Soviet kitsch with these hotels, and I think that was that surprised me a lot. Where, as Nicole said, the exterior does have that brutalist form, but then you go inside and it's, um, you know, it, it could be kind of quite polished or glossy, um, and so I guess in inside those hotels, there's like there's a lot of plaster, and there's like there's a lot of you smell a lot of plaster because a lot of these things have been newly refurbished and, and, and they're very shiny and they're very lots polished and lots of marble and it does seem like it's all about looking clean I feel like that's like that's a major and part shiny. of the aesthetic yeah, yeah. Mm. but then on the other hand you've got renovated karaoke rooms and there was one of the hotels that just has this insane karaoke complex like the Sosan Hotel has these six renovated karaoke rooms and you know like that that's one of the highlights of our project I think that you kind of have all these like ne- green neon lights in the room and, and and different themes of karaoke rooms and 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 so that type of modernity and um, you know uh, refurbishment I think that's what surprised me personally where you've got this brutalist seventies frame on the outside but then inside you know there is a degree of updating and, and renovation that has happened to these hotels so I think it's that like there's a mix of things at the moment with the hotels at the like right now. So Nicole, what were some of your, uh, your favourite rooms you shot? Um, it kind of varied hotel to hotel um, and James is going to have to help me here because I can't remember what the, the specific names were of all the hotels we went to. But I think exterior wise, the youth hotel, was that the green one? Yeah. Amazing like brutalist external in an olive green colour with, it was quite um, austere and serious looking, but on the inside, um, again, it was completely the opposite. There's lots of greens and gold and beiges, and it was, yeah, it was beautiful. Um, but in terms of individual rooms, the karaoke room at the Corio Hotel, where we stayed first, we moved between three different hotels. Um, it was. It was quite a large area divided into small areas um, and the bar was stunning. Uh, it, it like beige velour bar stools and brown beads that kind of separated it from the rest of the room. Um, crystal beads and just and three different kinds of tiles on the walls and on the floors. It was it was quite set it was more seventies that room it's so what, 70s yeah lots I, of, yeah it was oh it was amazing I, like i remember watching an episode of the brady bunch where greg brady gets this new bedroom that he's really proud of showing off it's this really groovy pad and it's just, it's a similar thing it's got you know like just you know a million colors in it and these beads and and the choreo karaoke room is just it's really groovy like it does have yeah, this real that's actually sh- yeah. 70s chic vibe 
yeah, groovy and groovy is definitely a word <laughs> to describe it. Um, even like it looks like something out of an Austin Powers movie yeah. as well. It was it was amazing, um, and I think I really liked the interior of the youth hotel. Um, is that, that was the one with the red piano. So sun. So sun. Oh. Um, yeah, there was uh, yeah lots of kind of mint greens and the dining halls in nearly every hotel were quite fascinating. There were these huge, huge halls of tables and chairs and um, lots of pastel colours and pale pinks and greys and beiges. It was literally like stepping back into the 80s. And I think that's what's so strange about it is that it's such a uniform country. So, you know, like generally, you know, people wear very similar things on the streets. They do wear these types of Kim Jong-il type shirts and, and sunglasses and and you know it's it's very military like the fashion is military sensible if, if you can very say that yeah, sen- sensible yeah. military but all these hotels just have their own vibe and and they they do seem to be managed in their own ways as their own business so to speak where you would see we wouldn't really see the same furniture twice like different hotels would just have a different uh, you know a different take on a lobby um a different take on lighting like lighting is a huge component of of the arch- architecture there where you'll have you'll have a table and the table will have like a sheet over it but then there's these neon lights oh, under the table that shines and reflects up against this marble ceiling with this kind of pink glow or purple glow and it's just the, the attention to detail there is, is something that I think we've really brought out in the book, and I think that's something that's quite overlooked with a, a country like North Korea that, you know, regardless of its political situation and, and how poor it is, you know, people do take a lot of pride with, with design, particularly in these hotels, and, um, mm, and it's just yeah. fascinating. It, it, it's kind of like Disneyland to some extent, just like the attention to detail of these minor things like there's no- lighting. Yeah, and, there's nothing out of place Yeah, at all. Everything has a place and everything's quite symmetrical um yeah and being that um that the military sort of style uh dress on the street is um quite common do you fit right in in your camo (laughs) i I made an executive decision to leave all my camouflage at home for this trip (laughs) you must have have bought it that would have been interesting (laughs) yeah so like i have you know you had preconceived ideas about what um, countries oh. you've never been to alike and especially with North Korea like there are lots of things that run through your mind because you hear lots of stories from um, the country and I just thought it was a sensible decision but um, once I'd got there it was like well, you know no one cares what you wear so like like while we were over there there was a there was a mili- military co- conference in the capital and so there were basically all these soldiers and cadets that were in the city during our time there and and logistically that meant that we would be at a traffic light and you'd see one truck go past with a speaker playing revolutionary music and then you'd see another 100 150 trucks after it just with groups of soldiers just you know like a cultural revolution painting just waving on the street and the citizens are kind of just like waving back to them saying you know you're our heroes you know thank you and 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 a lot of these soldiers it seemed had come from outside of Pyongyang because in Pyongyang they have seen foreigners before to some extent so you're not that much you don't stick out that much but for these soldiers 
I feel like when we kind of interacted with them, um, we, you know, like we, we did stick out. And what, and what I remember was Nicole and I were walking. We went to this famous cold noodle restaurant and all the soldiers had just dined there. And so they were all outside having a smoke. And we kind of walked up and we essentially had to like, they, they, they had to part and we had to walk in between them. And, you know, I was like kind of looking towards the door, but I knew that as soon as I looked up and when I did, their eyes are just completely honest. Like, and you've, it's an it's, a, it's such a strange feeling to have, you know, about 300 people collectively just staring at you and, you know. Soldiers it, too. <laughs> especially someone like Nicole, who's, you know, like, you know, very tall and has red hair and, you know, has a few tats. I, I think that that experience of those soldiers just looking at you was, um, you know, it's just like a unique feeling really. Yeah. That often when we're in sit because we're like in situations like that a lot because there was such a huge military presence in the city um would often i'd just stand there and like smile and wave at them and then they'd all turn around and like smile and wave back <laughs> yeah yeah mm. so with the book hotels of north korea are you guys um self-publishing that or have you got a publisher behind you um yeah, so we're thinking of self-publishing um, as as long as we can hack it, really. Um, so uh, you know, this is this is the first time I've released a book, um, and so I'm essentially going through the motions of um, you know that interesting experience of learning learning how to get a book made. Um, and so the idea is I'll, I'll, I'll self-publish it um, for a few runs. Um, basically for as long as I can, you know, stock books in, in, in my house for. Um, but we're currently at the design phase, so I've, I've commissioned um, um, Darren Sylvester, who's a prominent Melbourne um, photographer himself and, and, and designer. And so we're currently in the design phase of the book um, and we're working on the cover. Um, and then we'll move on to printing um, and I'm looking to get it printed in China. Um, I just need to choose um, the right printer for that. but. Um, after that, we'll be, you know, looking at uh, page quality and cover material and things like that. But um, yeah, everything pushing forward for hopefully a Christmas release. Um, and I also had a really good meeting with uh, Posible, um, which is a uh, crowdsourcing um, platform last week. And um, yeah, we'll probably be uh, promoting some uh, crowdfunding opportunities with some uh, rewards from the book and yeah, other different opportunities. So yeah, there's so many things that you can, for me, there's so many things that you can just really tap into to, um, you know, to get support and, and get people that can kind of, you know, give you different takes and, and different ideas on things. And um, yeah, so it's all, it's, all, it's all looking good at the moment. Mm. It's a great age we live in for, for doing this type of thing, isn't it? It is, yeah. 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 And, 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 and just with, you know, having the idea, I, I can't remember, because I think Nicole and I, you know, met up a few times over probably a year, mm. year and a half or yeah. something. And I actually don't know the point when it became a real thing that was happening. Like, because I, I did. When I was on the plane. Yeah. To, <laughs> in between Beijing and Pyongyang, that's when it became real for me. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I think, you know, it did feel like, oh, this is something I'm kind of pursuing, but, you know, am I really going to do it? And I think. I think just by meeting more people and just kind of, you know, you kind of meet someone who recommends you to ca catch up with someone else and you have a coffee with them and then you kind of learn something else. And and then suddenly the ball was rolling and we were booking tickets. And But I, I didn't really feel like there was a pull the trigger moment, like we're really doing this. I think it was mm. just quite smooth that, it was, you know, yeah. like we had talked and communicated and, you know, we had the project pretty firmly of how it was going to kind of take place and stuff. And um, yeah, but, you know, like... you. The, the, the just really kind of accessing your network and kind of meeting people and friends of friends it just really helps support you throughout that process mm. yeah I think it's it's going to appeal to a really wide audience as well because it's not I mean it's a book about 
interior design and architecture but it's also um fascinating from the point of view that no i know one other or two including james two people who have been to north korea so it's also um a fascinating window into a country that you don't really know much about and definitely don't go to so it's going to appeal to a lot of a lot of mm. different people i think mm-hmm. and i can't like I've, everyone's seen most of my photos that i've taken over there now while we've been out and about but um no one's seen the images from the book yet which is what we spent most of our time doing and i really can't wait for them to be released because <laughs> there's some absolute like there's some amazing stuff in there so nicole you've also got a uh, an exhibition coming up like um you know uh based off the photos that you took outside of doing this project while you're in North Korea. Yeah. That was a tongue twister. Um, So can you tell me about your exhibition? Yeah, well, I was... um, I can't remember whether I was in Sun Studios for something else because I'm in and out of there a fair bit. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Sun Studios, but it's a big photography hub in Melbourne. They have a... A sales centre, a rental centre. They have a Canon. Ex- there's a Canon Experience store in there. They do printing. Um, they have two massive studios in there. Um, it's like a st- every photographer in Australia knows who Sun Studios are. Mm. Um, they've been around forever, and they're very supportive of the photography um, industry as well. So I can't remember whether I was in there already or whether. Um, Elisa, who manages the print section of Sun Studios and the gallery, contacted me and asked me if I wanted to do an exhibition with them. Um, they had a, a big gap in their um, calendar. Um, so, yeah, I went in and had a meeting with her about having an exhibition there, and she said, We've got these dates free. and. I was like, oh, okay, sure. So that's how it started. Um, It wasn't like I was out there looking to do an exhibition, but um, yeah, she brought it up and put it in my mind and I was like, sure, I haven't had an exhibition, well, a solo exhibition in a gallery for over five years. So I thought it's about time and if I'm gonna do one anywhere, it's gonna be at Sun Studios. Um, I couldn't think of anywhere else um, better to have a photography exhibition. So, um, yeah, they, they printed it all in-house and um, I've got two very large prints at um, United Measures at the moment being custom framed, which is super exciting because I've always wanted to get something framed by Ryan down there and he's doing that. Um, and, yeah, as far as the images go, yeah, it's, it consists of images that I took yeah, while we're out, um, you know, when we'd go out and have lunch or dinner or uh, we'd go for a drive, you know, travelling in between um, hotels, um, I'd take, you know, photos. We went, where did we, uh, up Juche Tower, I think was a touristy thing we did. Um, I've got a few photos from there and, yeah, so that's what the the exhibition's made up of. Cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing it. So when does it open? It opens on the 4th of July 
And it wasn't until I actually wrote that date down and, oh, 4th of July, that the irony of having <laughs> an exhibition of, of images from North Korea on the 4th of July hit me, um, which is quite funny. And it's, yeah, at the Skylight Gallery at Sun Studios in Melbourne, which is in Buckhurst Street in South Melbourne. Okay. And oh. it runs until the start of August. So it's almost up for a month yeah. in there. Cool. Looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. It's like, oh, it's quite nerve-wracking. I'd forgotten all the anxiety and stress and joy and excitement that comes from organising an exhibition. Yeah, it's a ro- definite emotional roller coaster. Ride. It is. Yeah. I mean, it's been made a lot easier getting everything printed in-house and mm. looked after that way, but, yeah. And being that you're uh, getting framing done by United Measures, they're, they're known for doing quite custom framing. Mm. Like, um, like what... Do you have any special features on the, on your frames? There is special features on the frame. Um, I sent Ryan the images, the two images. All the images are unframed because I think there's 20 um, prints mm-hmm. in the exhibition. So the two large feature images I'm getting framed and I sent them to him. And he's picked up one of the architectural details in one of the images and ran with that for the two frames. So, um, yeah, and it said he's something that he's never done before, I think. So, um, yeah, that's, yeah, that's exciting. I'm excited to see how they look framed. Yeah, same here. Can't wait. So if anyone wants to find out more about um, the book or the exhibition or more about either of you two, like, um, where's the best place for them to find you? Um, so with the book, um, so as I said, we're in the design stage at the moment, so we're just probably about two weeks to really getting the um, the, the promotional campaign started, but um, you can find us at Hotels of North Korea on Instagram, where we'll be dripping out um, a few images um, from the book um, as they get finalised in post, um, and we'll also be kind of linking back to any crowdsourcing opportunities in the future from there. So, yeah, Hotels of North Korea on Instagram for the book. Yay. And what about you, Nicole? Um, for the exhibition, you can go to um, the Sun Studios website. There's also an interview uh, with me on their blog and uh, RSVP details for the opening on the 4th of July. Um, please come. <laughs> I know it's winter and it's school holidays, but please come. Um, and for me personally and my photography, photography, my Instagram is uh, Nakasa, N-I-C-A-S-A. So on my website, nicolereed.photography. And so with the with the show, I can't wait to see these images blown Large. up. Like I think yeah. you know, checking them out on Instagram is good. Checking them out on the computer is great. But I mean, you know, actually having the high resolution of these like incredible structures, like these this badminton stadium and table tennis stadium and and all these different things. I think uh, I think they're going to look amazing. Oh, that, yeah, that's something I wanted to mention before was um, everywhere I go when I travel. I try and do like a mini project on a sporting stadium. So when I was in Japan, I did the um, the old Olympic Stadium. Um, when I was in LA, I did the Rose Bowl. Like, it, it's funny. I'm not really into sport, but I'm into the structures mm. that are created to support sport. So we're we're actually on a drive to one of the hotels, and we drove down this road, and I was like, "What is going on here?" And it was 
it was like a whole part of Pyongyang and it's dedicated to sporting stadiums. So I think my one, my only one request on on the trip was that we could get out so I could take photos um, along this uh, road. And a lot of those photos have made it into the exhibition. Um, the sporting stadiums, and they're dedicated specifically to a sport. So you have a basketball stadium, a table tennis stadium, um, a wrestling stadium, uh, combat sports stadium, yeah. swimming, blah, blah, blah. blah. Um, so, yeah, that was that was such a, a thrill for me to see all those structures. They're set up for the Olympics. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, they like they were set up. So I think the biggest thing to ever happen in North Korea was the, the youth games back in, I think, 1983. So the, they were basically like the, the Soviet Union's Olympic Games back in that stage. So uh, coincidentally, that's when a lot of the hotels were built around that time as well. But yeah, there's just essentially a whole street where, you know, everything's located very conveniently. And I think there's a lot of um, conceptual input from the sport into the structure of each stadium. Um, so that's something to kind of keep your eye out for when you um, yeah check out Nicole's exhibition as well. Yeah, cool. even when I went in to proof the prints from Elisa at Sun Studio and to sign them um, and addition them, like seeing some of those prints that large, I noticed things that I hadn't even noticed, like looking at them and retouching them. Actually, I didn't do much retouching to them, but you know, just colour correcting them, preparing them for print on the computer. Like there was one image I took from Juche Tower, which is just, you see it a lot. It's like of the colorful uh, apartment blocks. The pastel. The pastel, um, and th which they're actually going to be blowing up quite large and putting them on wall flats, mm. which is exciting. But looking at those in print, you can see like individual people. You can say, oh, there's a school down there and you can see them lining up to get in and there's, oh, there's workmen on that roof there and it's like, whoa. So there's a, there's a lot more detail in these pictures than you can see on your phone or even on your, on your desktop, on your computer. And I think that translates to the images for the book too. Like some of those interiors have so much to look at there's there's a lot of stuff mm. <laughs> they're not into minimalism um for their interiors there's a lot to look at cool mm. all right um thanks james and nicole for uh stopping by and sitting down and having a chat about the projects you're working on yeah thanks tom it was a pleasure no mm. worries I'd like to say thank you to James and also thank you to Luke and Jesse for recommending me to James as a photographer. No because, worries. Yeah, I would definitely would never have had this experience if it wasn't for, <laughs> for you. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Bench Talk. To view images of the guest's artwork, follow us on Instagram at bench underscore talk or go to the website benchtalkpodcast.com. If you want to stay up to date with the latest episodes, subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud or Stitcher. If you like the podcast, don't forget to tell a friend. Uh, thanks again for tuning in and stay tuned for next week's episode.